just need to be reverent before him this morning. You know, we do a lot of things during the week. We do a lot of things. You know, we're busy doing this, this, and that. Even ministry can turn into something that is not God and we're not careful. Everything, if it takes its focus off of him, anything, if it takes his glory, we need to refocus ourselves. What we do right now. So re- right now, pour out your heart to Him. You have nothing to lose because the Bible says that He'll be gentle with it. Pour out yourself like a drink offering unto Him. Think about it. We sing how great He is. We sing about His blood. We sing about His forgiveness. Walk in it today. Walk in it. Walk in his forgiveness. These are not just songs. This is real life. Real issues, real problems people deal with. Real fears. He's not an emotion. He's, he's, he's life. He's life. We start grasping that. He's the great I am. Do you understand that he's the great I am this morning? given somebody else of their sin, you should not ever bring it up against them ever again. That's the that's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. The kingdom of God. We sing about his goodness. And let's just stand up for just a little bit longer and let's just pray. Lord, I pray over this congregation this morning, Heavenly Father, that you will touch us, Lord, that we will have an encounter with you, Lord, that this will not be just another Sunday where we come. Lord, that we will get your word in our hearts and it will stir us, not to an emotional stirring, Lord, but it will change our future. It will change us from, from our, the tops of our head to the soles of our feet because that's what your word is. It's life-changing. Everything about God is changing. So, Lord, we ask that you will anoint the word this morning, Lord, that you will open up minds to hear it and hearts to receive it this morning, ears to hear. Give us ears to hear this morning, Lord. Lord, we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' mighty and holy name. Amen. Right? You glad to be in church this morning? I'm so glad to be here with you all. I've been having a a good week. Has anybody else had a great week? 
Awesome. I just want to pray over, obviously, Ukraine this morning. And, you know, you can see things escalating. You can see we're on the brink of something. So let's just take a moment and remember the people of Ukraine, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And let's remember, let's just pray over Taiwan, too, and China, because we don't know what's going to happen there. We don't know what's already in the works. Let's pray over other conflicts as well, right? We're like on the teetering thing. If you can't tell it, then you're probably not paying attention. We're not to go on as we've always went on. We're to push into the Lord. And, and trust me, these are the times where you want to get close to God. Times of peace. Times times of you know just being able to come and worship Him. And Look, I'm going to tell you, in times of panic, it's really hard to get close to the Lord. I mean, you can see that from people that were in 9-11. Like, you talk to the churches and stuff around. People are like, always turn to God if I have the chance, you know, when something happens. You might not have that chance because in a panic, it's really hard. It's really hard. So, while peace, get rooted. While we have peace, get your mind rested. Get your mind on him this morning. So, Lord, we just pray for peace over Ukraine, Lord. We pray for peace over Russia. There are people that are facing economic catastrophe, Lord, this morning. Lord, we just pray over both governments, Lord, that there will be peace, Lord, that this will turn into peace, Lord, that the bombing will stop, the shootings will stop, Lord, and the war will stop, Lord. Only your hand can withstand this, Lord. Lord, we pray right now that you will touch touch both countries, Lord. Touch the United States world leaders to be wise, Lord, in dealing with this situation, Lord. Touch China, Lord, Lord, leaders, Lord, to be wise in this situation, Lord. We pray over Putin for peace in his heart, Lord Jesus. Lord, that you will touch him this morning, Lord, that, that it will stop, Lord Jesus. We know that there's threats now over Bosnia, Lord Jesus, from Russia, Lord. Lord, we just ask that you will just work this situation out for good, Lord. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ that don't have food, water, or electricity, Lord. Lord, may we never know that here, Lord. We're thankful for the peace that you've given us on our borders, Lord. Lord, we, we pray for mercy over America, Lord. We're not untouchable, Lord. Lord, we know, Lord, that it's your divine hand that we have peace here, Lord. Lord, we pray for peace over the U.S., Lord. We pray for your never-ending mercy on our borders, Lord. We pray that we, are, as a country, we turn back to you, Lord. Lord, that we quit making demonic laws, Lord. We quit spitting in your face, Lord. Lord, we quit acting like we are gods, Lord, when we're not. Lord, may we submit to you, Lord, in this generation, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 I just want to talk to you about overcoming your spiritual giants. Taking on and overcoming your spiritual giants this morning. I'm going to be speaking out of 1 Samuel chapter 17 a lot, and everybody knows that, that story. You know, everyone in here goes into seasons of battle. Some are fighting the toughest battles of their lives now. Others are going into battles, and some of you are coming out of them. The point is, you're all going to face giants in your life. You're going to come into seasons where you might face multiple giants and then go into peace, and then you're going to, you might face giant after giant. I know people that are facing giant after giant. It seems like they never get any rest. It seems like there's no peace, whether it comes in the form of an attack on their family, on their, on the, their health, on their finances. It's, it's, it's never ending. 
A giant is something that looks impossible to us in the natural, where you can't overcome it in your own strength. When you meet this, you're, it almost either strikes fear in you or you just don't know what to do because you've never encountered anything like this before. And as a child of God, you will face many battles, and that's okay. Jesus says he's overcome the world. You will have trouble, but he's overcome. You know, and if we can really grasp the things we hear in church, if we can really get it in our hearts, we would we, we could live through anything. You know, and that's the Bible is set up. You know, when the Bible was written, there was a lot of things going on in the earth, a lot of wars. I think this is probably the most calm it's been in history of man. You can see how the demonic spiritual giants of today are coming after the testimony of God in this generation. If you can't see it, all you need to do is turn on the TV for five minutes. Even the commercials today are not innocent. You have spiritual darkness not hiding its head anymore. The enemy didn't come to make friends with you. We know that, right? But to destroy God's creation, you. You know why the enemy hates you and I so much? Do you know why? Because you're made in the image of God. He hates that. Every time he looks at you, he sees the Lord's image. Think about that. We're made in the image of God. So that's why the Bible says we're not supposed to talk down to each other. Because, you know, my brother and sister, we're made in the image of Christ. This is why we see so much confusion in the world with identity. The enemy wants... To come into your homes and load us down with fear, worry, anxiousness, strife, and confusion. If the enemy can keep you from knowing your identity, that will keep you from walking in what God has called you to walk in. Do you believe that? If the enemy can keep you confused about who he is, if you're saved, if you're not saved, if you're going to heaven, you're not going to heaven, don't you think that that's what the enemy wants to keep you guessing, right? It will keep you in a state of panic when Jesus says himself in John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Fear not is in the Bible, or do not fear, 365 times. That's one for each day of the year. Fear not, fear not this morning. What can anyone do to you if you follow God wholeheartedly. What can happen to you? If you're being a true Christian and you're walking according to the Bible, what harm can come to you? And anything that comes to you has to be through what God allows. And if he's allowed it, he's there for you. Isaiah 41.10 So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When we meet together as a body, it's important to grasp what we're, what we're learning. It's important when you come to church to not forget it by the time we get out there. You know why? So when, you're, so when the giants come, you're ready. This is a time where you get really rooted in the Lord in here. When we come here on you know, the nights or mornings to pray. 
Your mind gets rest, so when the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, you are ready. There's one story in the Bible that you've heard since you were little. And everybody knows this story. It's the story of David and Goliath. How many of you know that David, in his own ability, didn't have what it took to defeat Goliath? He couldn't do it. It was impossible. It was laughable in the natural. Even Goliath laughed at him. But that's what, God's do that's what God does. But it's David's unwavering faith that the Lord was with him. Amen. That brought him through. David knew his identity. It didn't matter what Saul, his brothers, or the army thought about him. His brothers thought he was bringing food just so he could watch the fight. But in reality, Goliath was trying to take the testimony of God out in the earth. He was trying to put God's people in captivity. You see, the enemy's tactics don't change. He is on the same mission today. He wants to keep God's people in a state of panic or worry. That keeps your mind off God. 1 Samuel 17, 1, starting. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sokoth in Judah. They pitched a camp at Ephes de Mim between Sokoth and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites occupied another with the valley in between them. Verse 4, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out to the Philistines' camp. His height was six cubits and a span. That equals to nine feet, nine inches. Think about that. This, this guy was nine feet, nine inches tall. A cubit equals about 18 inches. A span equals about eight inches. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. That is about 125 pounds or 58 kilograms. See, I thought about everybody else too. <laughs> on his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. And its iron point weighed 600 shekels. That is about 15 pounds or 6.9 kilograms. This guy was massive. If you read the Bible for any amount of time, you know that the Philistines always had a big, powerful army. And Goliath was the best of them. He was the most feared. He was the biggest and the strongest of that army at that time. He was ready to go to battle. He didn't play. His, sheer, his shield bearer was ahead of him. Verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight me and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome and kill him, you will become this, our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. 
In our day, giants look different. Our spiritual giants most of the time come in the form of bad news. You get bad news from family. You get bad news from a friend. You get laid off from work. And you don't know how to pay your bills. You are stuck in a relationship you don't want to be in. You are afflicted in your body or your mind. The diagnosis seems bleak. Something comes from nowhere and blindsides you. All of these things can leave you like feeling like the army of Israel, dismayed or terrified. There's a hope. We have a hope. Amen. We have a hope. And everybody in here, you live long enough, you're going to have to hold on to that hope. There's not one person in here that names Christ that's not going to have to hold on to his garment. You know, that's what, you ever get that that news and that's the first thing that tries to enter in is fear, gripping fear? It's the first thing, right? When you hear something that, that blindsides you, when you hear something that, that seems, oh my goodness, the first thing that tries to enter in is fear. Verse 12. Now David was the son of Ephrath named Jesse, who was in Bethlehem from Judah, who was from Bethlehem, Judah. Jesse had eight sons. And in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend to his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So this whole time, David's going back and forth from the battlefield. He knows Saul, and he had three brothers in the battle, so he, he heard some things. He heard what is happening this whole time. He's probably thinking to himself, why are they just sitting there? Why are they just sitting there letting this happen? David had no idea that while he was tending the sheep, that he was going through a process that was preparing him for the future. Look, this is why... The process that God is taking you through is so important. It always prepares you for the things to come. A lot of times we want to just, like I said, forgo the process. Because why? The process, we hate waiting. We hate being changed. We'll sit here and pray, Lord, change me. Change me to be like you. And when we start to change, it's the hardest thing we do. It's like taking sandpaper around a piece of wood and smoothing out its edges. Or changing the shape of a piece of pottery. It's not easy. Change when we when we get set in our ways is the hardest thing that we can do. And then waiting follows that, I believe. Because why? Because we get it in our minds and stuff. Sometimes we're just like, we're not going to. But it was preparing David for a battle he didn't know that was coming. Verse 16, for 40 days, the Philistines came forward every morning and every evening and took his stand. So Goliath came out every morning. And every evening. Do you know why Goliath came forward every morning and every evening? It was, the, it was to keep the Israelites in a constant state of fear. He didn't want them to rest. He didn't want them to forget what was in front of him. I have to imagine that they were in a state of panic for 40 straight days. Think about it. You ever go to bed... And you have something that is waiting for you right when you wake up. And you're dreading that. You're dreading that thought right when you wake up. You, before you go to sleep, it's the last thing you think about. And you're anticipating it when you wake up. 
That's what it was like for them for 40 days and for 40 nights. The enemy is the same today. Your giant will come and try to intimidate you morning and night. It tries to keep you in a state of panic. Your giant does not want you to have any rest. Your giant only wants you to focus on it. It's like that dangling the carrot. Saying, hey, focus on me. You can't give in to it. You have to get your mind off of it somehow. That somehow is by giving it to the Lord. And when I say you give it to the Lord, you just know who your confidence is in. Well, Lord, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if this is your portion for me, I'm still not going to bow. You know, even if my Lord doesn't save me, you've got to have that unwavering thing. Even if my Lord doesn't meet my immediate need, I'm still not going to bow to this giant. I'm not going to bow to the fire. I'm not going to bow to whatever because that's the decision that all of us are going to have to make in our lives. Okay. You're going to bow are you going to stand and say, I'm going to stand on his word. Lord, I believe your word speaks louder than this giant in front of me. Lord, I trust your word more than this giant. Because it will try to wear you out. It will wear you out. It will, you, you know, now as you get older, I've realized you go one night without sleeping well. It ruins like the next two days. Imagine being in a state of panic or worry for 40 straight days and nights. And you're on a battlefield, Right? And this big giant that everybody's terrified of is coming out every morning and saying, he's defying you. He's talking whatever he's talking. And they don't have an answer for this. They don't have any answer. And that's the thing. We have an answer today. We have one. Verse 17. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten, che this, these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. There was Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Verse 20. Early in the morning... David left the flock in the care of the shepherd, loaded up, and set out, as Jesse directed. He reached the camp as the army was going up to its battle positions, shouting their war cry, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with a keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking to them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. That is the point of your giant. It's to keep you in a panic. It's to keep you in a state of fear. A lot of Christians are not as bold. We don't speak up. We don't say things when people defy our God. Why? Because we are afraid. It's, it's a little different. We don't want our way of life interrupted. We don't speak out because this could mean that we have to we get fired from work. It affects how we live. It can even affect our quality of life. Our giants are still there. It's just different. We're not fighting a physical war. But the fear and being terrified is still the same. 
Fear is fear. Terror is terror. No matter if it comes in the form of a, a battle or if it comes in the form of news. This is how desperate King Saul was to defeat Goliath. Verse 25. Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. So now, they're desperate. He's searching. They were in panic for 40 days. The giant was terrifying them. We just read that. The giant was literally terrifying them. And every time they saw him, they fled in fear. Thank God there was a voice in the land. How many of you know that God always has a voice? Amen. He has a voice in this generation, no matter how dark it looks. The Holy Spirit is real. The Holy Spirit wants to change, do a work in you that will make everyone around you go, wow, there is a God. That's the God we serve. Takes broken things and makes them whole. God always has a voice. Verse 26. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man that kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that we should that he should defy the armies of the living God? The, the God our God is still living. He's still the same alive God today. This giant wants to terrify you because guess why? He has to bow to our living God. This giant can seem all, you know, it reminds me in Revelation when God, when Gabriel or Michael throws down Satan and it says, this is what troubled you? This is what troubled the nations? Think about that. People are going to say that about Satan. This is who troubled you? Walk in what God's called you to walk in today. Amen. And it's an exciting time. Yes, Have Lord. courage. Yes, Have Lord. courage. Amen. Praise the Lord. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him. This is what would be done for the man who kills him. Verse 28. When Eliab, David's oldest brothers, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Think about this. He's concerned about sheep. And he's terrified of this giant. He goes, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You have come down only to watch the battle. Now listen, if you don't know who you are in Christ, the enemy is going to come at you at the other way too. It's going to come with those closest to you. You have to know your identity. I mean, you see that throughout the Bible. Job's wife said, why don't you curse God and die? I mean, I'd get rid of that woman. <laughs> Man, you gone. I'm just kidding. His brothers didn't know that David was simply obeying his father's request to bring them food and to check on them. So now you have the enemy trying to come at David because spiritually the enemy knows who you are. And if you're walking with God. Mm -hmm. If you're playing today, Satan doesn't care about you. He doesn't care that you come to church. 
He doesn't care. You know what he cares? He cares about a born-again Christian that's full of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He doesn't care if you come here and sing these songs and then you go out and you do all the filth of the world. It doesn't matter. You'll be terrified when your giant comes to your house. You're no threat to, to Satan if you're living bad. But when a God-fearing person enters the scene, and that's what the enemy spiritually knew David was, the voice of the Lord enters in everything. When the voice of the Lord enters into a situation, everything changes. Why? Because everybody's believing one way, right? The voice of the Lord comes in and changes it. Just one word of encouragement can save somebody's life from suicide. You go see somebody struggling, buy them a coffee, buy them a meal, tell them they look pretty today. Whatever it is, encourage somebody in Christ. Verse 29, David says, now what have I done? Can I even speak? He turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. Verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. This is a young kid that's not even a warrior. If you remember, for those that were here Wednesday, this is what I preached on. I preached on that they heard about Jesus. This is how the enemy operates. David steps out in faith, and then they try to plant the seed of doubt. And that's not changed in this generation. You'll step out in faith, and the first thing that happens is somebody will come and will try to smack you back. They'll say, did, do you really need to do that? Or did God really say that? You have to be ready and know your identity because when you step out in faith, that doubt is the next thing that comes your way. Verse 33, Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. So that's the doubt, right? So he's already coming at David with the doubt. Right? David says, I'm going to go out here. I'm going to fight him. And even the king of Israel is saying this. Why? Because you can't go to somebody that's living in a state of panic and fear and then ask them for their advice because they're going to pass that on to you. Then mm -hmm. someone who has been going through God's process, someone who is a voice of God, responds to Saul, verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. That's the process. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Hallelujah. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Amen. What else could he say? <laughs> David just said, David just said, look. You can say what you say, but I've been going through this process. I know who the living God is. He, this guy right here is talking junk about the living God. 
That's the, that's the God we serve. He's still the same living God today. That should get you excited. You know, when things come along and they try to get at you, you just say, no, I serve the living God. Amen. And if it's God's will that this happens, then so be it. I trust the Lord. Amen. I feel the Lord is going to Amen. Doesn't that give you chills? It gives Amen. me chills. Saul, verse 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over his tunic and tried walking around because, it, because he was not used to them. He goes, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. So in the natural, that's what happens, right? We, we, that's like somebody that's not fully trusting God is trying to help him. Hey, you need this, this, and this. And he's yeah. going, no. No, I already know my God. Amen. That's the identity part that this generation needs to get. We need to know your identity in Christ. You need to know that you're saved. This right here is the faith that can move mountains. This is the story. This is the, the faith you need to move mountains. This is it right here. So he took, so it's a verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand. Chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in a pouch of the shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Can you imagine in a natural what this looks like? I heard someone say that they believe the five smooth stones represent the fivefold ministry. It makes sense to me because the word of God always ties itself back into each other. Because he only needed one. We know he only needed one stone. So why grab five? Verse 41. And then this is the mocking, right? You know the mocking's coming. Anytime you step out in faith, doubt comes. And when doubt doesn't happen, then they mock you. Verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy. Glowing with health and handsome. And he despised him. That's a representation of the, the Satan right there. That's what Satan does to you and I because we're made in the image of God. Amen. He comes and looks you over and he despises you because you're made in the image of God. He said to David, this is what Goliath, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. This is how you need to respond to your giant right here. Verse 45. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those who gather here now will know that it was not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. 
and he will give you into our hands. The battle is still the Lord's. The battle is still the Lord's. If you're going through something today or if you're in peace, get right, get rooted, get ready, because the battle will come to you. The giant will come to you. There are spiritual giants all around our country right now. They're trying to take over our schools. They're trying to take over our government. They're trying to take over every the house of God. Spiritual giants need to have their spiritual heads cut off. And they're only going to do that as a generation that knows who we are in Christ, that stands on truth, that spends time in his presence. Some of you today need to look at your giant and tell it what David said. If David would have went out there unsure of who he was in God and said, yeah, you know, maybe I can kick this guy's butt. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. You know, I don't even need a slingshot. I'm just going to go out there and arm wrestle him. No. It always has to, the God factor is always something that looks totally ridiculous in the natural. We see that time and time again. He used oh, yeah. Gideon, right? Least of the least. God loves using the least of the least. David's the youngest of eight. He wasn't even fighting. This is what we need. We need to remember, it doesn't matter if you're the greatest or the least in your family. God wants to use you, and you have a purpose. God is looking for people right now with unwavering faith. And you will move mountains, the Bible says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. Don't forget this today, because giants will come to you. And when they do, make them regret it. Verse 48, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. He, he was already sure in his mind. He already knew God was going to give him over. There was no question in his mind about what was going to be done next. He didn't. He just says, hey, I'm going out here. God's going to take care of it. Verse 49, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. In the natural, recount it. He went to Saul. Saul's like, you shouldn't be fighting this guy. Your brothers were making fun of you. Oh, you're just here just because your, your heart's conceited. Think about this. Think about this. And he's like, no, he's trying to talk. He's like, why are he's the only voice of God in the land? Everybody else was terrified. Yeah. We read that. Then Saul goes, okay, I'm gonna let you go. Then he tries to dress him up in all this armor because that's in the natural, right? We're always looking for natural things to defeat spiritual battles. You can't defeat a spiritual battle in the natural. You can't. You're going to be like the Israel army. You're going to be in panic and in worry, and you're going to be stressed out all the time. And you're going to lose sleep when God's saying, fear not. Don't be dismayed. I'm the living God of Israel. I got it. I, I'm going to let this young boy who's never fought in a war take out the mightiest warrior in the Philistine army that's like 10 feet tall with not even a sword. How ridiculous does that sound, right? 
That is the God we serve. Your giant will come and roar morning and night. Try to intimidate you. We were sitting here Friday, Susan and I, we were listening to David Wilkerson's story, a preach, preaching, and he said two of the words that the enemy likes to use all the time, what if? What if? But you could flip that around and say, what if God saves me? What if God uses me? What if I walk according to God's plan? Listen, I would like to say we're all going to live forever in this life. But it's, look, if God's not finished with you yet, you ain't going anywhere. Amen. Doesn't matter what comes your way. Doesn't matter. If God's not done with you yet, it doesn't matter how mad the enemy gets. It doesn't matter. You're going to live. What if? Don't believe the what ifs. You see, you see the Saul, You see that Saul and the armies of Israel were, were probably praying to God to help for help, right? That makes sense. Saul knew who God was. Saul walked with God. The Holy Spirit in the beginning of Saul's ministry was on him, but then he committed suicide later by falling on his own sword. You had to think that the armies of Israel were praying. They would have had an idea in their mind of how God was going to meet this need and how they envisioned God to handle it, right? Because that's what we do, Lord. Whatever the need is, I have an idea of how I want you to meet it. And that's how you need to meet it. When in fact, if God met the need the way we wanted it to, we wouldn't even know if it was God. Do you think God could have done it a different way? He could have sent Saul out there. Saul was a mighty warrior himself. God could have just given him Samson's strength and said, go out there and do your thing. But he didn't. Why? Because they wouldn't have known it was God. And in your situation, whatever it is you're facing this morning, give it to God. Give it to God and watch him fight this giant that you're facing. And then God will get all the glory. Isn't that exciting? Look, it's exciting and it's the hardest thing you'll do. It's easy for us as a collective body to sit up here and say, Jesus is my rock. Jesus is my fortress. Jesus is my everything. But when you're going through it, it's hard. And that's for anybody. Everybody in here, you've got to be rooted. Look, that's probably why the great falling away, the Bible says there's a great falling away. It doesn't mean they leave church. It means that people just become detached. How? They don't ever really have a move of God in church or they're not at a spirit-filled church. You have to know the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to help you, guide you through these times, right? You, you, you take in the Word of God, you take it, you digest it, and it illuminates your path. You take in the Word of God, you hide it in your heart, and all of a sudden your path is illuminated spiritually, right? And then you, and then you see the, the tricks of the, the devil. You see what the snares are, and you, and you walk around them. Because why? You're walking in truth. You're walking in light. David wasn't. David was young. The guy even they laughed at him. They didn't even take him serious. And that's look. That happened in the Bible when Jesus went to hear, heal Jairus's daughter. What they do? He said she's not dead. She's asleep. And what they do? 
They laughed at him. And guess what he did? He put them all out of the house. Get all the people talking negative out of your house. They don't need to be around you. You have, you, you, they're not going through what you're going through. You get alone with the Lord. You say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk with you. And if you save me, I praise your name. But even if you don't save me, I'm still going to praise your name. And you have that unwavering faith. And that is the faith that moves mountains. That's where you can say to that mountain, go from here to there, and it tosses it into the sea. Israel had a good army. Israel was, was a fighting army. They had all this military might, and God used a shepherd, not even a warrior. Didn't even use a sword. God had been preparing David while no one was watching. If you are a true born-again Christian today, God has been preparing you to go through what you're going through today. It's not by accident. You can see David stepping out challenging Goliath looks completely silly. It even looked completely silly to his own army, his brothers, everybody around. And you can hear the mocking and the laughing. And even in Israel, you have people that are probably going, no way, you know how people are. No way, I can't believe this is going on. I can't believe he's out there. God fights our battles. This is, the, the word of God says that. God fights your battles today. Some of you have giants from your past. Some of you have giants now. Some of you will be facing giants in the future. But if you're in a time of peace, get ready to face your giants. Go through the process. Condition yourself in the Lord. Stand up. If you are facing giants now, stand up and say, You come against me with the sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Hallelujah. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All of those gathered here will know that it was not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. We need to beat the giants over our cities, schools, jobs, over our country over our state and local governments. Giants are just not personal giants. Giants come in and try to take over areas, put people in captivity. It was tr The giant Goliath was trying to put the whole, all of God's people in captivity. Let's stand up today. Let's stand up real quick. There are a lot of giants to be had. This battle is the Lord's. And I come into an agreement with all of you. If you're facing a giant today, come up. Let's pray. Because why? I'll have the church. We have Pete and Pam. Anybody else that wants prayer? Look, giants are real. Giants are terrifying. They try to leave you in states of panic. But the battle is the Lord's. And I'll, 
That's what we're coming into agreement with this morning. We're saying the battle is the Lord's. Right? And if you're not going through a battle, if you're not going through it, you don't have a giant this morning, praise God for that. Praise God. But get ready. Get ready in this time of peace. We're going to sing some songs. We're all going to pray. And uh, we're going to believe that your giants are defeated.